Well, I'm glad to be here tonight. The Lord has helped my heart. I wish somebody else was preaching. Brother, Brother Justin Cooper got up here and he preached the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. He preached through the red back hymnal. He preached all seven volumes of Schaefer's Systematic Theology. And I think he preached through the aerobics manual too while he's up here. By the way, can I have that handkerchief? <laughs> Amen. But I'm glad to be here and thankful to be invited and be part of the meeting. I want you to look with me in the book of Ruth for a little while tonight in the third chapter of the book of Ruth. I was driving down today from up in Scott County, uh, Tennessee, and we were listening on the radio. And Brother Simpson got up and said, turn to the book of Ruth. And I started yelling at the radio. I said, leave Ruth alone. But uh, he didn't hear me. But he stayed in chapter two. We'll spend a moment or two in chapter number three. I want to thank Brother Gravely for inviting me to come. Thank you for the good place I have to stay. He's always so kind to us and such a blessing, and I appreciate him. And there are a lot of men here in the service that are my friends over the years. They say that the longer you go, the fewer friends you have, but I seem like I get more and more the farther I go. And I'm thankful for men who have been my friends along the way and helped me. I want to deal with Ruth for a little while tonight in the third chapter. Now, I'm working on uh, some things out of the book of Ruth, and if we were to go to chapter one, I would preach tonight on, will you take her for what she's worth? And then in chapter two, will you tell me why you care? And then in chapter three, I want to preach a little while on this thought tonight. Can you trust him in the dark? Can you trust him in the dark? Let's pray and read. Uh, well, we'll read first, then we'll pray in verse number one of Ruth chapter three. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee. Put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. If you want to know what that means in the Hebrew language, it's translated this way, Will you marry me? Verse number 10. And he said, Blessed be thou the Lord my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followedest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do 
the part of a kinsman to thee. Then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another. And he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. And he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her, and she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing this day. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight because you first loved us. We're thankful to be assembled together with the saints of God. I pray for your help in the preaching, Lord. I pray that you'll be glorified. And Lord, if you get glory, your people will get helped. So help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach for a moment or two tonight on this subject. Can you trust him in the dark? Can you trust him in the dark? I tell you this, some folks, I can trust them if I can see them. I can trust them if I can see what they're up to. But there are some folks I wouldn't want to be in the dark with because I don't trust them. I don't trust what they do under the cover of darkness. But here is Ruth and she's going to have to go down and get in the presence of Boaz and the Bible said it's going to take place about midnight. So I'm saying it was in the darkness. She had to go down there and trust this man in the darkness. I was listening some time ago. A fella gave me, well you know how long ago it was. He gave me a cassette tape. You parents can explain to your children what that is. And uh, he gave me a cassette tape of Dr. J.B. Buffington. He was preaching the chapel at Piedmont Bible College in North Carolina. And he was preaching that night on, or that day on what to do when the lights go out. What to do when the lights go out. He came in and he quoted this verse from Isaiah. He said, who is among you that feareth the Lord and obeyeth the voice of his servant and walketh in darkness and hath no light. And then it says this, let him stay a trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. And Dr. Buffington looked at that, that Bible college crowd and here's what he said to him. He said, you know, I watched you this morning as you walked into chapel carrying your Bible. But I came by to tell you today that there will come a time when your Bible will have to carry you or you will not make it through the darkness of night. I want to talk to you a moment about going through the darkness. Here's what the Bible said. Uh, Solomon said about the Lord, then spake Solomon, the Lord said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. And sometime in our Christian life, we'll go have to, through, have to go through times of darkness. Now, I'll remind you of this. In the Bible, really, darkness can represent two separate things. On the one hand, there is the darkness of sin. We're not to walk in that darkness. We're to walk in the light. But on the other hand, darkness in the Bible sometimes represents trouble. It represents tribulation. And you know what? You know the picture of it. You, it's perfectly understandable. Sometimes in my Christian life, I go through such deep trouble, I don't know which way's up. I don't know which way to go. I can't see to put my foot, uh, one foot in front of the other one. It's a time of darkness and a time of difficulty. And you're just groping around saying, Lord, I don't know what to do next. Lord, I don't know what to think. I don't know how to handle this. Well, I want to tell you, friend, uh, that darkness, God dwells uh, in that thick darkness. And it may look like you're alone in the darkness, but God said 
he never leave us nor forsake us. But here's my question. Can I trust him when it gets dark? Can I trust him when I can't see what he's up to? Can I trust him in the darkness. Now here is Ruth. The Bible said in our chapter that Naomi says to her, she said, is not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens thou wast? He went with barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, anoint thee, put thy raiment upon thee, get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. So Ruth went down there. Now I want you to think about Ruth. She is not an attached woman. Here's what I mean by that. Ruth is a widow. She has no husband. She has no brethren. She has no father. There is no one to protect her. There is no one to defend her. And this, uh, this unattached widow is going to go down to the threshing floor in the darkness and lay down at the feet of a man that she barely knows. She is not only not an attached woman, she's not an aged woman. I don't know what the age of Ruth was. She is a widow. She was married. But we're not told about there being any children. So I assume from that and surmise from that that they hadn't been married very long, hadn't been married long enough to have children. I would assume she is a young woman. She does not have experience in the ways of the world. But she's going to go down in the darkness and lay down at the feet of a man that she barely knows. And then she is not an acquainted woman. She's in a strange land. Uh, Boaz will mention this. You left the land of your nativity and you've come to a land to people you knew not heretofore. She's coming to a place. She don't know the customs of this land. She doesn't know what all's going on. She doesn't know what these people are like. As a matter of fact, the only Christians, in, in if we're going to use that vernacular here, the only people of God she's ever known were backsliders. Yes. Elimelech, Naomi, Malan, and Kylan, she don't know what kind of people these are. She doesn't know if this is all just a religious front. She doesn't know anything about that and yet she's going to go down in the dark and lay herself down at the feet of a man that she barely knows. It's a, it's a dangerous thing you would think, but somehow Ruth has a trust for this man Boaz. You say, preacher, why did she trust him? I'll tell you why she trusted him. Uh, Naomi says an interesting thing here. Naomi said, go down. Now, can I just show you about this? Here is Ruth. She's to put her raiment on, wash herself, anoint herself, put her raiment on, and then she's to go down to the floor, but Naomi said, make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. So here's the picture I have. Naomi, Ruth goes down to the floor and finds her a hiding place. She finds a vantage point. Nobody's supposed to know she's there. She's not supposed to make herself known to Boaz. So she goes and finds her a hiding spot. And, and by the way, I'm, 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 I'm hung up on this, put on thy raiment. Did Ruth not ever wear clothes? No, this must be special raiment. I think it's wedding raiment. She's put off. She put off the widow's garment and put on the wedding garment. She's going down there by faith uh, to get that kinsman to do what he's supposed to do. And she's down there hiding. But Naomi says this to her. She says, mark the place. Mark the place where he shall lie down. You know what Ruth's going to have to do in order to get in the presence of Boaz in the dark? She's going to have to mark where he is in the daylight. She 
going to have to mark the place where he lays down when she can see him. Can I tell you how you can feel comfortable with him in the dark? If you'll do some marking in the daylight. If you'll mark down how he blesses you and how he works and how he helps you when the lights are on, then you'll have some trust when the lights are off. So she's marked the place. And now she goes down there. Let me say three things about trusting him in the dark. First of all, she was familiar. That word mark, it means to know. It means to be familiar with. It means to, it means to have your eye on that place. Can I say to you, first of all, she was familiar with his vocation. So she wasn't fearful when he went to sleep. She was familiar with his vocation. What do you mean? She'd been out there in that field working and she had seen him at work. Now he's laid down asleep. I don't know how long she had to lay there. She waited till he went to sleep and went and laid down. She didn't lay at his side. She didn't lay by his head. She laid in humility, our brother, at the feet of Boaz. That's where she laid down. I don't know how long she laid there. She went there when it was dark before one could know another. And Boaz says this in the morning. Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. So she came after dark, went down and laid down, and it was midnight before he woke up. I don't know how long that would have been. I don't know the exact timing, but she never said a word. She never tugged at his garment. She never said, hey, will you wake up and do something for me? She just laid down at his feet. How could she do that? How could she be confident? I'll tell you why. Because she'd been watching Boaz in the daytime. She had seen him at work. She knew that he wasn't a lazy man. She knew he wasn't a man that didn't fulfill his responsibilities. She knew that he was a working man. I thought about this. She saw him in the field where he was the Lord. He was the Lord of the harvest. She got out there in that field one day. She's out there in that field and Boaz comes out and he looks at her and he said, whose damsel is this? He knew everybody in the field. He knew where everybody was supposed to be. He knew what everybody's supposed to be doing. There wasn't one person that escaped his view. I'm glad whether it's daylight or darkness, he knows where I am. He knows where I need to be. He knows who I am. I'm glad he knows me. She learned that in the daytime. Nothing escapes his glance. He seems to be everywhere. Nothing is overlooked. He knows everyone that's in the field. She saw him at the feast where he was liberal. Remember what he said? He said at meal time. Come hither and uh, I dip thy sop in the vinegar. And you know what happened at mealtime? He'd seen her in the field, but when they was at the feast, he was reaching her parched corn. You know what she learned in that field? That his work included her. That his work involved her. That she wasn't just an outsider. He wanted her to be part of the whole thing. Aren't you glad for the day you realize that his work included you? That he wanted to reach you some parched corn. He wanted you to be included. And then he, she saw him in the floor where he was laboring. Now, I like the way the Bible says this. Naomi says to Ruth, and now is not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens thou wast. Now listen, behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Not they winnoweth barley, he winnoweth barley. You know what she found out about Boaz? She found out that Boaz labored. She found out he was a worker. She found out he wasn't a shirker. He found, she found out he was going to finish the job. So when it came time to go down in the dark, she'd already seen him at work 
at the day and it didn't no matter. It didn't matter if he was asleep. She knew there'd come a time he'd wake up and finish what he'd started. And that's what Naomi said to her in the end of the chapter. She said, sit still my daughter for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. I tell you why Ruth could rest at the end of the day because Boaz wasn't going to rest. I tell you why I can rest because the Lord Jesus doesn't rest. She was familiar with his vocation. So she wasn't fearful while he slept. She was familiar with his voice. So she wasn't fearful when he spoke. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. I was at Manhattan, Indiana. And I was preaching this, getting ready to preach in this little church and the family was going to sing. And we got, it's only about two and a half hours from our house and we don't get home very often. And when we are home, it's hard to leave. And so we got there late that Saturday night and I was in the auditorium and I was putting up the PA system. And it's about, it's about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And if you've ever, if you've ever traveled churches, no two churches put their light switches in the same place. They're always in a different place. One church I was in, the light switch was on the back of the choir railing. I bet that's up to code. So I'm in there and I, I'm, the lights are on in the auditorium because the preacher turned them on for me. But I don't know where the rest of the lights are. And it's late at night and I'm all there alone. Now I'm setting up the PA and the, the platform is lit up but everything else in the church is dark. And all of a sudden I hear this sound and I'm going to try and make it just the way it sounded. I heard this sound go, <laughs> and I'm up there on the platform, surrounded by darkness. And I remember all these stories, all these preachers saying about, boy, the demons come into church after night. <laughs> I, Steve Goolsby, it's your fault. <laughs> he tell me all these horror stories about staying in prophets' chambers, hearing noises. So I'm up there and I hear this, <laughs> it's like maniacal laughter. Say, what'd you do? I start singing, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the I start singing every song I can think of about the blood. Well, the next day I said to the preacher, I said, what in the world is that sound in the auditorium? He said, brother, we, this is an old building. We got an old air conditioning system. He said, when it comes on, water goes through these pipes and they're copper and they're right side by side. And when that water starts going through, they start vibrating. And that's what you were hearing was those pipes vibrating together. But that's not what it sounded like to me. <laughs> to me, it was an unfamiliar sound and it scared the wits out of me. But listen to me now. Ruth is laying at the feet of Boaz and in the middle of the night in the darkness at midnight, he wakes up and he speaks to her. Yes. And it don't scare her one whit. It doesn't make her nervous. She don't get up and run out of the threshing floor. You say, preacher, how come it didn't scare her? Because she'd heard it before. She'd been listening to what he had to say. She'd heard him out in the field. She'd heard him at the table. She'd heard him when he talked to her all out there in the field. So this voice is familiar to her. I'm going to tell you something, dear Christian. There's a time of darkness coming. There'll be night coming in your life. You better listen to him just as close as you can when the daylight's on. Because when the dark's off, you don't want to hear a voice that you're not familiar with. Let's get just as familiar with his voice as we can. Let's get in the Word of God. Get filled up with it. Let's hear him when he speaks to us in our heart and then it won't frighten us in the darkness 
I thought about what kind of voice he had. It was an arresting voice. Remember what he said to her? First thing he said. He said, whose damsel is this? Can I stop and say this? It's more important whose you are than it is who you are. He said, whose damsel is this? They said, it's the Moabitish damsel that came back when Naomi out of the land of Moab. And he looked at Ruth and he said, hearest thou not my daughter? It was an arrest. I imagine she's out there working all of a sudden. When he said that, it arrested her. Do you remember when the Holy Ghost spoke to your heart and arrested you? You was a lost sinner on your way to hell, minding your own business. And somebody preached the gospel or somebody witnessed to you. And the sweet Holy Ghost of God arrested you. He interrupted you on your path to hell. Thank God he didn't let us finish that path. I'm glad it's an arresting voice. The high sheriff of heaven came after me and arrested me one day. But it's not only an arresting voice. It is an affectionate voice. He said, hearest thou not, my daughter? He didn't say, hearest thou not, you sorry Moabite? Hearest thou not, you pagan? Hearest thou not, you heathen? Hearest thou not, you sinner? He said, hearest thou not, my daughter? <laughs> you know what the Holy Ghost... Let me tell you the difference between Holy Ghost conviction and the devil trying to confuse you. The devil tell you how sorry and how low down you are and remind you of your past, but he won't tell you how to get out of it. The Holy Ghost will come by, tell you how sorry you are and tell you how low down you are and then point you to Calvary and say, there's the way out. There's the way to change it. There's the way to get out. If all you ever get is condemnation and nothing ever points you to the cross, that ain't the Holy Ghost, friend. The Holy Ghost going to point you to Jesus. Jesus. He knows that if Jesus is lifted up, he'll draw all men. It was an affectionate voice. And it was an authoritative voice. He said, go not into another field. Abide here fast in the field by my maidens. Let thine eyes do rest on the field where they do reap. He said, you stay right here. You know that what that voice will do? That voice arrested us. That voice was affectionate toward us. But that voice has authority in our lives. That voice of God, the good Holy Ghost, speaking to our hearts and talking to us through the word of God. I'm telling you, friend, she was not afraid in the dark because she'd been listening in the day. Here's one more. She was familiar with his values. So she wasn't fearful about what he sought. Now listen to what he says to her in the morning. In verse number 15, and he said, bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley. I like this little phrase and laid it on her. And she went into the city. Now the veil he's talking about is not this little one we talk about, the burqa. The veil he's talking about is her outward garment that wrapped all the way around her. If it's that burqa, you couldn't put six measures of barley in it. It's that outer, outer garment. So here's what he's saying. Can I put it this way as, as, as uh, I'm careful about how I say this, but he's asking her to take something off. Not anything, not an inner garment, but that outer garment. Take off that outer garment. She wouldn't do that just anywhere. They wouldn't do that just anytime. But he's asking her to do that. Now, if she didn't trust him, what would she do? She said, oh no. Oh no. I'm not taking that outer garment off. Oh no. I'm leaving my coat on. I'm not taking it off. But she trusts him. Why does she trust him? 
because she had learned in the field something about his values. Listen to what he said to her. He valued faithfulness. She said in verse 11, or verse number 10, she fell on her face. Brother Simpson preached so wonderful on this today. Fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground. Said to him, why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said to her, it hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. Now I'm going to tell you, that's a pretty good person to do something good for their mother-in-law. Amen. Since the death of thine husband and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity and are coming to a people which thou knewest not heretofore. I said that because my mother-in-law may be listening tonight on the internet. But she, here's, here's Boaz saying, I've heard about your faithfulness and that faithfulness meant something to me. That faithfulness toward your mother-in-law after your husband died, toward your family, that means something to me. And so faithfulness meant something to him. And then he said this, uh, she, he said, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Not only faithfulness meant something to him, but faith meant something to him. She learned that this man was a man of faith and a man of faithfulness. He was not an underhanded man. He was not a man that could not be trusted. He was a man that had values. And so when he said to her, I take off that veil and bring it to me, she had no hesitation. She didn't look at him and say, I wonder what he's up to. I wonder what he's got in mind. No, she took it off and handed it to him. And you know what he did? He filled it with six measures of barley. I always wondered why it was six. Sometime you get a minute, study the numbers in the book of Ruth. They tell the gospel story all through that numerology. But he made six measures of barley. You know why? Because she wasn't his wife yet. Six is the number of man. It's not seven. Seven is the complete number. Six means there's something missing. And until she gets married, there's always going to be something lacking. She's always going to have to come back. But in a little while, she's going to get married. And then it's not going to be six measures. Then it's going to be seven measures and the field she gleaned in she now will govern I think I heard this once today already uh, that field that she was in she'll own it but here's what I'm saying to you she trusted him because she saw him as a man of character man with values now let me say this about the Lord you say preacher can I trust him in the dark you could trust him in the dark first of all because he's always at work even when you can't tell it even when you can't see it, even when you might think he's sleeping and you say to yourself, what's happened to the Lord? Where is he? I've been praying about this. I've been working on this. I've been thinking about this. Where's the Lord? Oh, just hang on, friend. Just hang on. The Bible said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. David said, now what wait I for? My hope is in thee, O Lord. Just wait on him, friend. It may look like he's not paying attention. It may look like he doesn't know. It may look like he's unaware but the eyes of the Lord are in all the earth beholding the good and the evil and he knows he is a man of work not only that but he is a man who will speak to us he's spoken to us in the daylight he's spoken to us from the Bible let's listen to him let's get familiar with that voice and in the darkness when he speaks to us again it won't frighten us he's a man of character he's a man of values now listen to what the Bible said again in Isaiah 50 Verse 10, who is among you that feareth the Lord and obeyeth the voice of his servant and walketh in darkness and hath no light? So somebody said, well, as long as I obey the Lord, I fear him and I obey the voice of his servant, I won't have any trouble. No, Isaiah said, 
Who's among you that feareth the Lord? Obeyeth the voice of servant, walketh in darkness, hath no light. What are you going to do? Trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Amen. How do we do that? We practice that in the daytime so we can accomplish it in the nighttime. Amen. Can I say this to you tonight? You can trust him even in the dark. I want you to bow your heads a moment. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Maybe there's somebody tonight going through the darkness. You're facing something tonight you don't know what to do with. Why don't you just come and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord. And I'm going to stay upon my God even in the darkness. Some of, some of us, we, get, we let things slip a little bit during the daylight. Because things are going well and it's not dark and we think we can manage. But we're going to need him. We're going to need him. Say, preacher, I'm facing the dark night. I don't know what to do. Trust him tonight. I'll tell you what to do. Do what Ruth did. Come softly. Don't come complaining. Come softly. Come submissively. Don't lay by his head. Don't lay by his shoulder. Lay down by his feet. Come submissively. And come settled. Come settled. I'm just going to wait till I hear from him. I'm just going to stay here at his feet till I hear from him. He'll talk to you. He'll help you. Won't you come tonight? You, you know where you're at. You know you're in the darkness. Won't you come and trust him tonight? Let's stand to our feet a moment. Some folks are coming. You may want to come. Might be easier for if you're standing. God dealt with your heart. Won't you come tonight? Won't you come trust him in the dark? Come on. All of us go through the darkness sometime or another. All of us do. It's part and parcel of the Christian life. Go through the dark night. Let's trust him. Say, preacher, I can't figure it out. No, but he's got it figured out. Trust him. Preacher, I can't see a way out of it. He knows the way out. Trust him. Just trust him tonight. Will you come? We're waiting on you. We're not in a hurry. We'll wait on you. Come trust him in the darkness. Will you? Let him trust in the name of the Lord. And stay. And stay upon his God. Come tonight. There is an unseen hand.